everyone welcome back to the priority one book club as always my name is andrew my name is caleb and i'm hoyt today we're going to be going over hebrews 9 caleb take it away i thought you were gonna take it away this week andrew you seem so excited to do so i know this is the because caleb's forced me to sit in this chair for like four hours yeah oh well you'll get almost over. five um i know you have notes for this week well why don't we do andrew's little bible study I'm organizing files. Oh, okay. All right. I guess I'll pick up the slack then. So, looking at Hebrews chapter 9, some fun stuff in here. So, Hoyt, would you read through verse 10, please? Yes, I will. Hold on one second. Okay. Now, even the first covenant had regulations for worship and an earthly place of holiness for a tent was prepared the first section in which we were in which were the lampstand and the table and the bread of the presence it's called the holy place behind the second curtain was a second section called the most holy place having the golden altar of incense and the ark of the covenant covered on all sides with gold in which was a golden urn holding the manna and Aaron's staff that budded and the tablets of the covenant excuse me Above it were the cherubim of glory, overshadowing the mercy seat. Of these things we cannot we cannot now speak in detail. These preparations having thus been made, the priests go regularly into the first section, performing their ritual duties, but into the second only the high priest goes, and he but once a year, and not without taking blood, which he offers for himself and for the unintentional sins of the people. By this the Holy Spirit indicates that the way into the holy place is, is not yet open as long as the first section is still standing which is symbolic for the present age. According to this arrangement, gifts and sacrifices are offered that cannot perfect the conscience of the worshiper, but deal only with food and drink and various washings, regulations for the body imposed until the time of the Reformation. Of Reformation. <laughs> of the Reformation, yes. In the time of 1540 or whenever yeah. it was that Martin Luther nailed the 95 Theses. <laughs> um, um, so... I don't have a whole lot to talk about in these first 10 verses. Mm-hmm. Like the first five, we really just said like, there's a lot of regulations as far as wh- what kind of constitutes worship in, under the old covenant. Like what, like the, the high priest had to go into the Holy of Holies behind the second curtain. Um, he had to like make a sacrifice for himself uh, for any unknown sins, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and, like really what we see here in these first 10 verses is there's like there's a lot of regulation for worship under the old covenant and we kind of get a picture of what the high priest's job is like yep so uh, i'm just gonna go ahead and move on to uh, i'm gonna read through verses 11 through 14 but when christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is not of, of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. So right away, 
we see a contrast. We're going back to the idea of like the high priest, but now we're into the new covenant kind of stuff. So, um, I have noted here for verse eleven, one of the best buts in scripture. It's a really, really good but. So, but when Christ appeared as high priest of the good things that have come, so what is the greater, more perfect tent? Remind me, Hoyt. Heaven. Heaven, yeah. So, and what makes that better is that it's not modeled after heaven's tent. You know, the like chapter eight said, the shad, the the tent that was here on earth is but a shadow of the glory of the one in heaven, right? Um, and we know that Christ tore the veil of that tore tore that curtain that separated us from the holy of holies, made it accessible to all of us. So, it's cool stuff. Um, and it was because it was so tall, not heavy. Just because it was so tall, yeah. not heavy. And it had to be written from top to bottom. Yes. So, uh, and then just for verse 12, I just made one of those. That's just cool Yeah. little points. So I'm just going to read it again. He entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. Ooh. 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 Oh man, good stuff. Um, so it's just, it's just really really cool. The author of Hebrews does this a couple of times where he's like, "So if this is great and this is awesome, how much greater and more awesome is this thing?" So if the blood of calves and bulls and goats does this, how much greater is Christ's blood? You know, right? Like re- really cool stuff. Andrew, would you read verses 15 through 22, please? Chapter 9. Yeah. Therefore, he is the mediator of a new covenant, so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance, since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. To what verse? 22. 22. Okay, I see that now. For where a will is involved, the death of the one who made it must be established. For a will takes effect. Yeah. For a will takes effect only at death, since it is not in force as long as the one who made it is alive. Therefore, not even the first covenant was inaugurated without blood. For when every commandment of the law had been delivered by Moses to all the people, he took the blood of calves and goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book itself and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the covenant that God commanded for you. And in the same way, he sprinkled with the blood both the tent and all the vessels used in worship. Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. All right, so now in verse 15, we're still looking at like the comparison of the new covenant to the old. So therefore he is the mediator of a new covenant. Who's the mediator? Jesus. Jesus. Yeah. It's important to note. Good Sunday school answer. Yes. Sunday school answers are appropriate. Mm-hmm. Um, so that those who are called may receive the promise eternal inheritance. Uh, it's a really, really cool little deal. And then in verse 22, uh, it points out that, Without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness of sins. So, Hoyt, can you quote Romans uh, 3.23 off the top of your head? 
Uh, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. The Christ Jesus. Jesus. Yeah. Uh, Andrew, can you hear Romans 3.23 off the top of your head? <laughs> Pick up your mic, yeah. For all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God. Yeah. And then <clears throat> Romans 5.8, and the, uh, Christ has his love for us in this way, and that while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. Booyah. So this idea that I mean, without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness of sin. Um, it's it's a it's a difficult truth, but it's a truth nonetheless. You know, I don't, I don't like the idea that something has to die for me to have forgiveness of my sins. Mm-hmm. But in the same way, let's think about it in the way Paul would describe it. We have to die to ourselves to be true, genuine Christians. You know, I. <sighs> Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I live, but Christ lives within me. Mm-hmm. Um, like my life is not my own. Like I, I've crucified my own life for the sake of Christ's. So the, it's not a, uh, a novel thing to suggest that uh, there had to be sacrifices for the goodness of sins. It's a very modern thing, that a very modern opinion to say that, okay, why, if, if God can forgive, why doesn't he just forgive? Mm-hmm. Why, why, why would he just forgive us of our sins just because he can? Yeah. Like, well, because God is just. There has to be justice done. And it, what's beautiful for us is that we, we're we not having to sacrifice animals every year for to, to have forgiveness of our sins for that year. But instead, we get to partake in the forgiveness of our sins because of what Christ has done for us. Right. What he volunteered himself to do. So really cool little deal. And just to finish out the chapter, I'll read verses 23 through 28. Thus it was necessary for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these rites, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ has entered not into holy places made with hands, which are copies of true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Nor was it to offer himself repeatedly, as the high priest enters the holy places every year with blood on his own, blood of his own, not his own. For then he would have to had he would have had he excuse me. For then he would have had to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. Some cool eschatology stuff there. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a comforting reminder that like Christ has already dealt with our sin. You know, when he comes back, he's not coming back to deal with our sin again. He's already done it. He's already taken mm-hmm. care of that. But he's coming back for those that are waiting patiently for him, for those that are enduring. And that, that's another one of the recurring themes of the entire book is, hey, persevere, endure, mm-hmm. uh, beware of straying from the faith, you know, because um, those that are found faithful, uh, those that are patiently waiting for him, you know, the ones that he's going to receive. So cool stuff there. Uh Look at verse 23, and I'll read it again. Thus it was necessary for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these rites, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. What does that mean? What does the better sacrifices mean? 
Which just point to Jesus, meaning he was the ultimate sacrifice. Right. But yeah. we get to enjoy right. those heavenly rights because of that sacrifice was so great. Mm-hmm. So like you and me being Gentiles um, and not being of the tribe of Levi could never have gone to the Holy of Holies regardless of what our, whether or not we had our sins uh, covered by the blood of a lamb or mm-hmm. a goat. We could never have done that. But Christ's sacrifice was so great that even we, being Gentiles, can still partake in the heavenly rites. Right. Really, really cool stuff. Yeah. Um, and then I said, just like for verses 24 and 26, like, bro, this is so cool. Mm-hmm. You know, so much of this passage is so cool. Uh, and then I, I just made the note for verse 28. Like, Christ's work with sin is done. That's worth repeating. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not... We're not having to crucify him over and over again. To uh, whenever there's a new a new sinner saved by grace, a new believer, a new member of the family of God, Christ isn't sacrificed again. It was that one sacrifice was enough to cover the sins of everyone that would ever come to believe in him. It's like, mm-hmm. bro, that's sick. Mm-hmm. That's cool stuff. Nido, nido. Yeah. This was this really wasn't a super short chapter but um a lot of like logistical stuff just kind of laid out in there mm-hmm. you know so didn't mean for this to be a shorter episode but um i mean it's what it is it's low ks yeah you don't want us to beat on drums for longer than we need to no i was i was trying to remember the analogy beat a, beat a dead horse that just could not come to me so i just i like drums i, I like the drum yeah. analogy but you don't want me to beat on a drum next to your face for two hours because of what you're playing. If I'm just playing a snare and a hi-hat for a long while, then you might get tired of it pretty quick. That's true. But if you're playing a whole song, then I'll jam. But if you're just banging on it. I'm getting tired of this analogy. I'll tell you what. Uh, hey. All right. It's okay, yes. It's okay, yes. It's what it is. What's, what you going to Say la vie. Say la vie. Such is life. Yes. Good right. stuff. Huh? Well, guys, that was Hebrews 9. Tune back here. Tune back in next week. There we go. I got the. You can do it. I cannot do it. <laughs> For chapter 10. As always, I'm Hoyt. I'm Caleb. I'm Andrew. See you next week. I'll catch you then. Bye.